0: Welcome everybody to the Good Writing Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Emily. And today we are talking about Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melkor. Is that pronounced right? It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, Melkor. Melkor. It's really
1: good and as per usual, Ben chose something formally weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have a pattern. It's formally weird. We're talking about real long sentences. And about getting lost in the structure of prose, um, and I think it's a really good episode, and it comes out really fun. Um, so I think
1: so too. Yeah. Stay tuned.
0: Enjoy. Welcome to Good Writing.
1: Hey, <laughs> welcome to the Good Writing Podcast, your co-host Ben.
0: And your co-host Emily. We're both here, we're in the studio, coming to you live, hot and peachy. I don't know what peachy is, but that's what we're like right now.
1: I'm into it. Yeah. Juicy. Um, <laughs> but also really tender and easily bruised. So that feels yeah, right actually, yeah, for my no, writing life. <laughs> yeah,
0: that, that was correct. Yeah, so, so writing has been... So I'll have to ask you then. So how's how's writing
1: going? Uh, I'm trying. Um, yeah. I started. I, I'm just gonna steer that question towards a different question that I am more prepared to answer, mm-hmm. like a politician would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, writing's fine. Uh, I started querying more literary agents for my manuscript, and that is interesting, you know, um, to just try to trust and trust something t- that you care deeply about mm-hmm. to a complete stranger whose bio you read online, um, mm-hmm. uh, is a weird experience. Yeah, uh, whose So job that, that's it is, going.
0: Yeah. Whose job it is to be discerning about these sort of things. Like, yeah, yeah. That sounds, yeah. sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah,
1: it's been interesting though.
0: Yeah. It's been interesting. It's going. Hey, so are, are, are you feeling comfortable about the people that you've placed it with? Right now, or is it...
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. I have only queried agents who I feel very confident in.
0: Okay, Um.
1: good. So that is probably why... I'm not exactly going quickly through this experience. But that's okay. Look,
0: all I can say is congratulations and good for you for sending it out there at all. Because that's the hardest part. Like, the, once it's out there, sure, it's its own nerve-wracking experience. But you've done the difficult thing. Now it's their problem. Now it's their job. And you've Thank you've done yours. So to that, yeah. you, you should feel good about it. You you deserve celebration for that. And I celebrate you for what you've done. Because it's a good thing.
1: Well thank you for saying so but this process has already taken eight months it will likely take more than a year so i don't know if i should celebrate for the whole year without doing more work
0: (laughs) i I didn't say stop you know it's like it's a work party it's the pizza party in the middle of the day at the office that we're talking about here like we're we're celebrating but uh you know you're not you're not done you can't go home (laughs) yeah still gotta
1: hit my kpis (laughs) yeah exactly what does
0: kpi stand for
1: uh key performance indicators. It's a very corporate term. It's awesome. Key performance indicators. Yeah. Um. Uh So, mm-hmm. Benhouse writing,
0: it's going, you know, okayingly. is how I would describe it going, um because I started writing a new thing. I started writing a new piece today, mm. which I feel good about. Um I don't feel good about the piece, but I feel good about writing it. Um it, it's the okay. very recently um I found out that uh, the magazine Compound Butter is taking submissions for their new issue. And if you're not familiar with Compound Mm -hmm. Butter, it's a food magazine. Um, It's That's a very kind of like lighthearted and sidelong kind of dreamy approach to food is is what they're doing. It's... um, I think the best way I can give an example of this is it's it's most, it's pretty much all nonfiction. I don't think they've published any fiction in it. So it's all just kind of essays about food. And in their comfort issue, which I think is still their most recent one, but I'm not sure, there is mm-hmm. a story in there a, about the proper way to eat a SpongeBob ice cream popsicle. And about how funny it is <laughs> that they always look so off-model and weird. And it's just kind of an irreverent, yeah. like, more personal approach to the food we eat and the way we do things. And their their theme for their new I- issue coming out is going to be Escape. And I am writing a piece for that to hopefully have selected for publication there. So we will That's we'll so see. That's so fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I love um, food magazines that give you enough warning when they have a theme mm-hmm. um, that you can just treat it like a prompt and exercise mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. any literary magazine that 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 gives you a theme with enough warning to be clear the enough warning is key because the odds that i just happen to have a story <laughs> in publishable shape that fits a the theme is pretty pretty <laughs> low odds that i just happen to have a story that fits a, a theme especially like god literary magazine themes they right can be pretty abstract like escape Mm. is probably pretty representative Mm -hmm. of most literary magazine Mm -hmm. themes taste Mm -hmm. um they're 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 like one word and it's very widely interpreted
0: yeah Um, you you never see a literary magazine's theme be something like glass you know (laughs) which would be an interesting choice but yeah (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah they, they, they keep it in the, I think it's hopefully to get a certain amount of catch from like, oh, certain people will just have a piece like this already written, right? Like, so we can just take in whatever, we'll take all comers. And also, if it's open to enough interpretation, it allows the editors to be like, well, we just really like this one. So, yeah, it fits. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: A, a crucial part of any theme is, but I like it. Yeah. Button, so it's wide enough, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Flexibility is key. Part of the, <laughs> part of the, the
1: Just a mm-hmm. quick aside. Compound butter is that like butter with herbs in it?
0: Um, I don't know what compound butter actually is. Um, let's see. Compound butter. It sounds so good, though. It sounds like it'd kill you. Like.
1: Yeah, it sounds really promising.
0: Yeah. Softened unsalted butter, creamed together with herbs, spice blends, and other ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. You called it.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cool. I could, I could spread that on some toast right now. I just ate dinner, but I could I could oh. eat again.
1: Um <laughs> I could always eat again. Yeah. I could always eat again cool yeah. it looks like a fun publication
0: yeah yeah it's neat they're, they're they're very good they get a lot of illustrations in there as well it's a very well it's a very well designed magazine like it's really fun to just flip through and look at the, all the stuff it's good yeah
1: yeah cool have you noticed that we have not once talked like I don't think we've seriously talked about nonfiction yeah at all on this podcast yeah, have you right. noticed that yeah because uh, I'm I don't we did like one essay also about food yeah um, but yeah but yeah, we read it as if it was fiction.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like, I haven't read a lot of creative nonfiction. Have you?
1: I love a good creative nonfiction, and okay. I've mentioned like journalism, literary yeah. journalism yeah. before too. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's some killers out there. But I, I think like I, I don't know. It's just a, a bias. I think craft is easier to talk about in a fiction setting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess because it's all chosen, right? Like, everything... Even though I don't want to say that it's not all ch- chosen in nonfiction, like, when you're writing it, but the experience isn't always chosen, like, because it's it's just, like, the happenstance mm-hmm. of your life or, or an observation on things that have occurred, like, ra- rather than the, I will construct this from, you know, a whole cloth from nothing, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. like. I think, may, like, I think there are probably non-fiction writers who could argue, like, because they're not choosing the facts of the matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more about craft. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's... I
0: don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. Anywho,
1: yeah, it looks like a fun magazine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that observation, though. That's, that's smart. Um, But, yeah. All right. Do, do we just want to get into this? Get into... I think we should... The hurricane season and the very long sentence that, that I made you read, there's an extremely long sentence this p- in this. Oh, you
1: Can I tell you, when I just opened this, I was like lying in bed when you sent me this, and I yeah. like, opened it. Or when I saw it, rather. And I opened it on my phone, and without even thinking, I read it out loud.
0: Oh, like, man.
1: I don't know what it... Yeah, it, I don't know what it is about. I love reading a really long sentence out loud.
0: Mm-hmm. Just because it's so consumed by the breath in that way, too, like, that. that's a mm-hmm. really that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. So we are reading from Hurricane Season, um, which is by, I'm just trying to get the author's name here, uh, Fernanda Melkor, uh, I, I believe is how it is pronounced. M-E-L-E-C-H-O-R. Uh, Fernanda, let me... Yeah, Fernando Melchor. Okay, cool. Who's a Mexican writer, um, and she is. This is a. She's a pretty new novelist, I believe. I, I haven't heard of anything from her before this, but the, this is a really intense novel um, that is about a murder that takes place in a small town in Mexico. Um, the, this, uh, character known as the witch is killed early and this chapter is about the witch and kind of her origins. Um, and, and it is, mm. it, it centers around her murder and is told through these sections that are just entire blocks of text. Um, if anyone listening to this has ever read a Thomas Bernard novel, it's exactly like that. He does a ve- his stylistic thing is the same choice to just there's no paragraph breaks, there's no line breaks. It's just constantly this big wall of text that that you're kind of confronted with for the entire novel. And um, his novels are not mm-hmm. broken down very much, or at least the ones I have read are not broken down. This is broken into chapters. Um, to give a little bit of space because from chapter to chapter it changes the character's perspective and you learn you basically learn a little bit more about the story of how this murder occurred from another person that's tangentially related to it or has had some interaction with the witch during the time in which she was killed yeah
1: oh ben i love the structure of like murder or mystery and then just different characters leading up to either what they know about it or how they were impacted by it mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's there's a good reason there are so many good murder mystery books because like yeah. multiple characters being impacted by a death like that is just interesting like inherently yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, very much so. And and I I will say to you and to anyone else interested in reading this, I I think it should come with fair warning that this is a very intense work. It it is uh, very—the violence—there's not, like, a lot of violence in it, but the violence is very brutal that is described, and and there are instances of sexual violence as well throughout the novel. So if anyone interested in this is not for that, you won't want this. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, What I think is most interesting about this— book or, or one of the very interesting aspects of it is in addition to being in this block text format in conjunction with that um it is all of the sentences are very very long like there there's rarely ever a sentence that's less than two lines most of them are at least five to sometimes ten entire pages worth of just in the space of a single sentence um and
1: shit dude that's that's hard to keep up for a whole novel it, it, like it really
0: is like it, it is that
1: would I mean we can come back to this too but'm I'm, I'm curious how that impacted your like momentum while reading
0: um I', only, I, I like, it's impacted my momentum in that I have not finished it yet I still have 50 pages left of this book and it's like a 200 page book and yeah. it's uh, and I yeah. read it one chapter at a time as soon as I hit that chapter break, I stop and I put it down. Like I, I can't, I can't do another one of those after I've read one, especially if it's like, cause the later chapters are like 50 pages each. It, it's, you got to keep up mm. with it. Like, Shit. yeah. Um, and, yeah, that,
1: that would, that, that is a challenging, well, how did B.R. Jaeger phrase it last week of mm-hmm. like, a like a, what was it? A hostile reading experience.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, l- l- like something actively antagonistic to the reader. Yeah, 100% feel it falls in that as well.
1: I, I uh, would definitely lose momentum as a reader. But this section, this page-and-a-half section you sent me mm-hmm. was fascinating. So mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe I don't know definitely if I would. Yeah. Um, that's just yeah. very different from most things.
0: Yeah. A thing that I think keeps attention in this and that keeps kept my attention is that all of these sentences are very external. They are, mm-hmm. you're not spending a ton of time in a, inside of the character's head. You're getting their personality and their th- thoughts much more through the voice of the character because it's a very strongly voiced novel. Um, every character feels instantly kind of recognizable. All the sections are a little bit different from each other because they're all from a different perspective and you really feel that shift every single time. And and it, it allows, I think, the reader to pay, to have less burden um, on what they're paying attention to because it's so imagistic and in-scene that you're able to kind of just watch the characters move around in your head rather than having to deal mm-hmm. with some large internal struggle that they're going through, which would be much harder to catch hold of, I think, in this format. Like, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's really interesting that the voices feel so different, even if the sentence length is so similar for these different voiced mm-hmm. characters.
0: Mm-hmm Mm mm-hmm like yeah it's it it is interesting that that she manages to pull that off as well through just like diction and and like word choice and things like that as ways of being signifiers rather than um like because it's always in the same breathless style um here Mm. if you want to read a little bit of it um for us if you'd like to um if there's yeah i actually have an idea yeah yeah
1: what if, because these sentences are so long, just to, like, emphasize how long these sentences are, what if you and I took turns and I did one sentence, you did one sentence, I did one, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just,
1: like, a an audi- audio way, an auditory way f- to mark, like, there was finally a sentence break or there hasn't been a sentence break for a long that's, time.
0: That's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Here, if yeah, Yay. Just... okay, cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to just, do, do we want to do the whole page and a half?
0: Uh here uh yeah let's do the whole page and a half
1: cool i'll take yeah. the first one and then we'll switch on and off cool um <clears throat> hurricane season by fernanda Melchor, chapter two they called her the witch the same as her mother the young witch when she'd first started trading in curses and cures and then when she wound up alone the year of the landslide simply the witch
0: if she'd had another name, scrawled on some time-worn, worm-eaten piece of paper, maybe, buried at the back of one of those wardrobes that the old crone crammed full of plastic bags and filthy rags, locks of hair, bones, rotten leftovers, if at some point she'd been given a name and, a th- and surname like everyone else in town, well, no one had ever known it. Not even the woman who visited the house each Friday had ever heard her called otherwise.
1: She'd always been, you, retard, or you, asshole, or you, devil child, if ever the witch wanted her to come, or to be quiet, or even just to sit still under the table so that she could listen to the woman's maudlin pleas, their sniveling tales of woe, their strife, the aches and pains, their dreams of dead relatives and the spats between those still alive and money. It was, always almost, it was almost always the money but also their husbands and those whores from the highway and why they'd always walk out on me just when i've given my when i'd got my hopes up they'd sob what was the point of it all they'd moan they might as well be dead just call it a day wished they'd never been born and with the corner of their shawls they'd dry the tears from their faces which they covered in any case the moment the they left the witch's kitchen because they weren't about to give those big mouths in town the satisfaction of going around saying how they'd been to see the witch to plot their revenge against so-and-so, how they'd put a curse on the slut leading their husband astray, because there was always one, always some miserable bitch in town spinning yarns about the girls who, quite innocently, minding their own business, went to the witches for a remedy for indigestion. that dipshit at home clogged up to his nuts on the extra large bag of chips he ate in one sitting or a tea to keep tiredness at bay or an ointment for tummy troubles or let's be honest just to sit there a while and lighten the load let it all out the pain and sadness that fluttered hopelessly in their throats (sighs)
0: Because the witch listened. Exactly. We can actually even pause there, I think. Like, just because I think that gives an example uh, of, like, just really the sheer length, this you know, litaness, like, diatribe of just going deeper and deeper into this scene that gives voice Mm -hmm. to these women as they're talking to the witch and also characterizes, it gives voice to their husbands and the things that they do and say and the behavior and interaction of these people just all brought together by this, like, very clearly, I think, you know in-scene moment of this conversation between mm-hmm. these two people, between these hypothetical women and the witch. Like, yeah, it, you're just right, right there with it, it in this big, enormous sentence. Like, yeah, I, I think it's just I, just fantastic.
1: Yeah, I also feel like um my, like, sense of time is a little lost mm-hmm.
0: just by mm-hmm. the
1: sheer volume of subjects and verbs here,
0: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, God, where the heck is there's subjects and verbs and some of them are happening like right now we're in scene she's under Mm -hmm. like okay this sentence started with she'd always been okay so it starts with like they're talking about the witch and Mm -hmm. they're going like her childhood she was always called these various slurs and mean things Mm -hmm. and then she would listen to women saying these various things and then the kinds of things the women would say moves i think at least my interpretation of it moved all the way from the time of when our current witch was a child mm-hmm. to today's, like they're still griping about the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there were just so many subjects and verbs in this in this sentence that I like totally it felt kind of like all all of it was in the present, rather yeah. than being able to keep track of like what making it it, it, it deprioritizes making it clear what was in the past. Yep what the order of events was
0: mm, yes i i that th- that's a better way of putting it than my saying in scene P- saying that it always in the present like that that i think is a better mm. descriptor there yeah 100 percent. Be, because it it isn't always in scene i'm wrong about that it, it, it is all but it is always happening right now
1: well it is in scene that in that like it's really they are specific images right mm-hmm. it's like these women mm-hmm. they're sitting at the table and they're talking about the the ladies from the highways and yeah. You know, it's really specific images that like could that, stand. that do feel insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like they're like philosophizing out of yeah. scene, right? Yeah, it is both. I think both things are true. Yeah, yeah. Um, my God, the exhale I had at the end of that—that <laughs> <laughs> that was that was
0: ooh. It, 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 it's just it, it's intense. It, it's I'm really unsure also um as, as to what. It, exactly, it's like could you call this grammatically correct? Probably not, because either just kind of all clauses stitched together. Like you, you could break this down into individual oh, sentences. Yeah.
1: Well, that first sentence, they called her the witch the same yeah. as her mother. Semicolon, the young witch when she would first started trading in curses, and then when she wound up. A... Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, that semicolon isn't grammatically correct. Yeah, what's the huh. right?
0: Yeah, exactly. See, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the the
1: the, the clause after the semicolon isn't. Independent Mm -hmm. is not an independent clause, so it could not technically stand on its own as its own sentence. It doesn't have a subject and then and then a verb. It's just actually a list. I think that maybe technically speaking, grammatically, should be a colon. Mm. But I I, I think that that semicolon sentence starts. That semicolon situation does start me off as like, the punctuation is going to be more about like. Uh, when you can inhale while you're reading, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than like about exact exactly if the grammar is right. Yeah, yeah. It, it it taught me how to read it from the first sentence.
0: Yeah, that 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 is absolutely true. Like like the um the the commas and, and punctuation markers rather denoting like movements of image ra- rather than necessarily like units uh, of text. Uh, I think is present mm-hmm. from that very first moment. Yeah, and. I also wonder about these sentences and, and their grammar, because this was translated also, translated by um, Sophie Hughes, um, cool. who is our translator into English here. Um, so I wonder where she is making those choices, where she is changing that, and how it reads in Spanish versus in English in this, like, clearly—I it I, I don't think that the long sentence was Sophie Hughes' choice, essentially. Like, yeah, so— no. yeah. yeah, I—
1: translators don't make that big of a structural yeah, change yeah, generally at, speaking at without they, a note.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd hope not at least, but yeah, it's such a like interesting like way of doing this book, I think because this book is so swept up in, in themes uh surrounding like masculinity and the, you know, the large scale toxicity of masculinity and the like ways that that can be this horrible burden to the people um mm-hmm. around People attempting to present in this ultra masculine manner, um and, and the ways in which this kind of breathless recounting of that like problem, uh, I'm kind of like wondering about how those two things come together, because mm. it, it, it's you know, I'm not quite sure where my thought is going with this. I don't want to say it's confessional, like in the way mm. that this is done, but but it is done in such a way where the um the the fact of this um. this recounting being so like large and impossible and imposing um, relating to that kind of thematic thing that they have going on throughout it as well like that that being the threat of the text in in many ways Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah I think like my feeling about this text as I was reading was it exists it is it is a truth and it doesn't care to present it to you in a way it doesn't it's no longer like it's not catering to how you want to hear it mm-hmm. um it's not making it easier on you it is exactly what it is and it is very um certain of itself and if mm-hmm. if if the book is about violence against women like that i think sounds fitting to me you know it's about it's not about making it sound pretty or palatable it
0: yeah, it it is the it is the imposition that it presents itself as, like in that mm-hmm. you know it's it's immediate, its presence. You can't, you, there's nowhere to escape it on the page, in the way that the it's just always these giant blocks. So you can't you can't ever look away from it, or you lose the sentence. Like it is mm-hmm. something also, so it makes it kind of impossible for you to take yourself away from the truth of what's being experienced. Like yeah,
1: I think that that what you just said about if you look away, you'll lose your spot. I think that's why I just like instinctually read it out loud when I read mm, it for the first time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that I wouldn't lose my spot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Huh. Yeah. And,
1: and,
0: and it's, I, I don't know. What, what did you find when you read it out loud? Like what did that give you the, in that moment?
1: I think probably similar to visually reading it, um, in that, like it, it just washes over you. Yeah. Um, it, even reading it out loud like you uh, have to work hard to not lose the thread to remember what what started the subject of this sentence. I don't know, especially like that sentence about you know, as a little kid they she, this is what her life was she used to be called these things and and the women at the table would say this and mm-hmm. they're complaining about the women the the women from the highway who are doing that. I, I think that's like a grammatical way to signal like each of these, people being referenced have their own perspective and their own story yeah like because i thought that i like i started that sentence like okay we're following the witch as a kid
0: Mm -hmm. i was like oh
1: no we're following the witch's like mentor oh no we're the the mother witch and oh no we're following all these other women like it's kind of like a a way that grammar can make you be make you realize like getting lost like, thinking that you can just tip of the iceberg, like, mention some other woman, and then actually you're going to hear this whole story about her, mm-hmm. um, does really remind you, like, each, like, side character in, in your stories have their own story going on.
0: Yeah, but they, they technically always were. Yeah, that, that's very interesting that you say that, because that's, like, also literally what the book does as it goes through like these are (laughs) like these are the other kinds of characters like you know you you meet a terrible husband you meet one of the girls from the highway these are all the different narrators of the different chapters so when you like i hadn't even put that together but that's like an amazing like astute point for what what the book actually does yeah that's that's, amazing i mean that's
1: that's that's craft right there like the (laughs) grammar of this sentence sets up your expectations for what the book is about yeah. <laughs> that's craft that, baby <laughs> that,
0: that is craft with a capital c right there that, that that is utilizing your form to tell your narrative like that that is absolutely it like yeah yeah that's wow. wild
1: that's, and it's kind of that it sounds fitting for the structure of a book where it's like a, a book with different stories that connect but it mean it it doesn't sound like it has, like, the traditional, you know, rising action, climax, mm-hmm. denouement mm-hmm. structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, this structure of each story focuses on a different thing, and they do connect, they are related, they do, like, go together, but yeah. it's not following your typical plot expectations is fitting yeah. for this central structure, too, where we just get lost in all these different threads. A piece of writing advice that one of our faculty in the MFA program often repeated was Papatia, um, mm-hmm. often repeated was, like, stay in the sentence longer mm. how can this sentence surprise you just stay in the sentence longer and you don't have to use the longest sloppiest version of it you know you can but while you're drafting at the very least stay in the sentence longer and see where else it can go and this is a, certainly an extreme example of that but i uh, when i implemented that exercise like i would often find like oh actually i i would i would often veer towards you know developing whatever character's like rationale for why they're doing something i would always be developing like what their motivation was i was mm. I, I found to be my instinct yeah staying in the sentence longer made me develop the characters better and understand them better and this seems to be like a, a rather extreme yeah. um <laughs> the of that version
0: of that yeah yeah a- absolutely like 100 i don't know and it's just it's just good it, it's just nice that uh, i think that to be to allow the reader to get lost in something like this, and I think there's a lot to be said for overwhelming the reader, and that's a power that books have that I think literary fiction sometimes kind of shies away from, especially in, like, its formal choices, so, and I think it's really worth worthwhile to kind of approach the reader with, like B.R. Yeager said, being antagonistic towards them, but also just giving the reader space to, you know, truly lose themselves in something that you're doing, to lose track of not just where they are, like, you know, when when you've been reading something so intensely and you lose yourself and, like, you're no longer in the room, you're just reading. Also allowing mm. yourself then for when you're lost in that space to then get lost there, to suddenly have no idea where you are. That that kind of, like, shaking you from, your, from the very bedrock is a really... Powerful thing that books can do, and I think that sort of elongating sentences can kind of bring us closer to that, like that that breathless approach towards being sublime in some way. Like that that's mm-hmm. I think there's something in that, and I think Melkor does a really excellent job of it. She's she's really on the money here.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, this is so opposite of all. I I enjoy this as a reader, but it's opposite of all of my instincts as a writer. Like I I really mm-hmm. think like. First writing as a journalist made me always focus so focused on a classic like reporter adage of Mm -hmm. use words of a fifth grade level. Like you want to be able to explain it to anybody. I'm just like so caught up in being accessible as a writer that like Mm -hmm. I would really shy away from this. I I I I think this is badass here. You know, I I need to try more of this. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I think this is
1: really badass. So the whole book is like this?
0: Yes, the the entire thing. That's
1: crazy.
0: Yeah, like it, it's you know from front to back, it it is these blocks of text. O- only thing breaking in them up are the chapters, and, and there are eight chapters in the entire two hundred page book. So it's not like those are Ugh. very common kind of thing. Like it, it's, I I I was legitimately shocked when reading it how easy it was for me to stay in the in the moment though in the scene like yeah. is she like i said there's there's not much pontification there's not much thought like it being presented on page in forms of like oh and then i was thinking about this and that means that like you're you're always kind of in the pr- the experience that the character is having like wh- mm-hmm. whether it be their actual like what they're doing or their emotional experience. Like you're you're if you are getting their thoughts, they're always their emotional thoughts and not their logic thoughts. So you're you're never mm-hmm. being subjected to like exposition or anything like that. That that's never really what's going on. Um, so yeah.
1: Ben, okay, a question. Mm-hmm. The the parts that we just read out loud just now mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. breathless, dreamy, but it's largely about the past mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. why was she why is she called the witch is is the answer yeah. is the question that prompted all that um of the next like page or so that you also happen to send me mm-hmm. sounded plot heavier it's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: she's inherited land and she's getting sued and can you just like speak more on what is the is how is this? structurally different when plot heavier things are happening things like she's getting sued for her land um, or is it still so dreamy even while like big plot events that are in the present tense are actually in the present tense or in the present the now of the story i should say
0: mm-hmm. it is pretty much always in that dream kind of dreamier mode because wow. things like the the fact that she's being sued and stuff like that like that is only important in your understanding of the character that's not important to the plot at all because the on the this is the, I'll have you know the beginning of uh, chapter 2 is the second page in the book the very first page of the book you find out the witch is dead like that's she's dead from moment 1 that's not a spoiler that that's your you're always going to have to confront that. And you pretty much know who killed her after, you know, maybe 50 pages. Like, they don't say it directly, but it's probably... I don't think it's the kind of book that's going to give a big twist and reveal that the murderer was someone other than the people that were at the scene of the crime. And, and like, you know who they... Mm. You find out who they are pretty quickly. Like, yeah. Mm. And and it's... You know, mm -hmm.
1: that structure is that book that the novel that i talked about in our flash forward for impact mm-hmm, episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the death of the death of vivek goji yeah. by Akwaeke Emezi. yeah um the first chapter is one sentence where it's like they burned down the market the day that vivek goji died mm-hmm. and then yeah it's it's not a, a mystery it, it gets the the big climax plot out of the way so that you can enjoy the the story and the 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 characters
0: yeah yeah
1: rather than feeling like it's a uh Mystery or a um, yeah. what is it? It starts with the T. Uh, uh, thriller. It's, or... uh, it's thriller. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Clearly not a thriller reader here
0: oops <laughs> you're good you're good dude i i i'll have you know listener i edited out a sentence that i just couldn't say the end of so uh, don't get mad at emily for not being able to say thriller um that's that's fine <laughs> emily's the smart one on the podcast um but you probably already knew I that don't know. Um, that, yeah
1: i don't know about that <laughs> 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 that's over for thriller. um this is crazy. This is so weird. Yeah. It's such a weird story.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's really cool. But yeah, to to go back to your question about like where where that goes, like the o- every story it, I, I'm in the novel, it's almost a co- series of connected stories because it's switching from character ca- to character every time. And mm-hmm. when you reach a new character, you are always like the new narrator for each section. You learn their entire past. Like, you learn everything about how much their parents hate them because everybody's parents fucking hate them in this book because no one has any money and everyone's starving all the time. It's a really brutal book. And they're, like... Mm-hmm. And you learn every, like, sad detail of these people's lives and why they're all tragic in their own ways. And then, like, at the very end of each chapter, you learn how they're connected to the murder. Like, you you learn where they were, what mm-hmm. they did, why they're being interviewed by the police for this. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm
1: kind of a reassuring structure like to if if each chapter is so uh unconventional mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and this the sentence structures are make it hard to predict um, yeah it would be you know reassuring to know like as I'm going, this chapter is gonna end with how this character is connected to the murder. Like I do have one formal, <laughs> I have one expectation about the form here.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it gives you something to hold on to. Like you know when you're approaching the end of a chapter because of the kind of information you're learning. Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah, can. So one thing that I enjoyed here, like even when it's about these women getting cheated on by their no good lazy husbands or whatever Mm -hmm. um the language is still funny like Mm -hmm. let me read part of this for that dipshit at okay it's it's a remedy for indigestion for that dipshit at home clogged up to his nuts on the extra large bag bag of chips he ate in one sitting (laughs) um that's goofy that's funny and i i believe that these characters like um that's got a good ear i think too for like the voice of the different women who are visiting the witches mm-hmm. and asking for for these cures and stuff yeah. um yeah it's it's even if it's about this heavier subject matter matter to like still make sure to work in those moments where people say things ironically or um, mm-hmm. unexpectedly is, is good
0: mm-hmm. absolutely uh, just the um Like, cause that, that is definitely a big marker throughout as well is when she moves into those moments where it is like, you realize it's a character talking out loud and suddenly you're given a voice and lots of people are telling jokes all the time. Like suddenly you're given this Mm -hmm. weird glimpse into how these people are sounding with one another and people are often being pretty irreverent, pretty, you know, like, you know, a lot of dark gallows humor is occurring a lot of the time, like between the characters because it's what they have to hold on to. Like it's, yeah. It's interesting, especially because as it brings you out of these like larger diatribes and larger sentences mm-hmm. into those smaller moments, like yeah, yeah,
1: that's interesting. One okay, so one other voice thing that I noticed here: mm-hmm. um, the first two sentences, I the first ones in the first sentence and the second ones in the second sentence, and we both stri- struggled over our respective ones. Mm-hmm. Um, when she started trading in curses and cures. Mm. Scrawled on some time worn, fuck. I did it yeah. out loud even when I was rehearsing it. Scrawled on some time worn, worm eaten piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, those words sound different, but they are very various... curses, fuck. Curses and cures. Mm-hmm. Time worn, worm eaten piece of paper. Tricky, tricky. What's that about? <laughs> Does she do that a lot too?
0: I I didn't notice a ton more moments like that because that is a weird like stumbling moment. Like like you kind of fall over that a little bit. And, and I it's like I don't know what to call that. Um like it, it, as far as like um actual like figure of speech being utilized there would be. Um
1: It's like a tongue twister? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, i i guess that would be more the the closest thing to call it to yeah it's she doesn't do a ton of that throughout but but it is interesting how that shows up twice at the beginning and part of me wonders if maybe that's more in the original spanish and was just harder to find those sorts of things in english and maybe that occurs Mm. more there than here but i i honestly don't know like yeah
1: it's it's interesting yeah it's interesting that's for sure
0: yeah absolutely so cool uh, a,
1: yeah, writing a, exercise, Ben. Yeah. How, how would you turn this into a writing exercise? Exactly.
0: I, I think I would have to take Papatia's thing of just spend more time in the sentence, you know, take some mm. take, um, you know, have a moment where you don't worry about the grammar of things. And just see what happens when you start adding commas. Um, I, I think a way to maybe do this is to write something that you would consider to be a poem, but don't add line breaks to it I- instead. Mm-hmm. Um, you using just kind of like allowing it to flow across the page and seeing where that goes, instead. And, and just trying to take you know, take a moment to allow the sentence to not just exist as the you know subject you know, verb, the the subject verb clause kind of thing. Like, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to just exist in that one moment to serve that one end. But, but what if you allowed a sentence to serve multiple ends and to go on past its edges um, to encompass more than the singular idea we usually think of a sentence encompassing?
1: Yeah, and on the note of, like, this feeling like a poem that doesn't have line breaks, one thing that always makes prose feel poemy poetic to me mm-hmm. is a uh, lack of mm-hmm. dialogue tags and quotation marks around dialogue mm-hmm. so to just hide other characters voice within the narrating voice is all is interesting um why they'd always walk out on me just when i've got my hopes up they'd sob. um mm-hmm. or that line that i pointed out earlier about the uh clogged up to his nuts on the extra-large bag of chips. Yeah, Um, yeah. to just steal... uh, One, develop the characters who are in your scenes, develop their voices so that they're saying surprising things more and then Mm -hmm. see how much of that you can work in without drawing so much attention to it. Can you just work that in without dialogue tagging?
0: Yeah, can the the narrator's voice uh, fuse with the voices of the characters sometimes? Like, if that can be more... It, that that line can be more blurry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Presumably. Cool. I agree. Stay in your sentences. This was interesting.
0: Yeah. It's a cool read. Thank you. Uh, thank you for reading it with me. Um, yeah. So Emily. Okay. Hmm.
1: Well, hang on. Before we like totally transition. Yes. Ben, what's your experience? You know, like sometimes you'll read. We read stuff out loud during workshops. Yeah. What was your experience? with reading like bad words out loud during workshop. I asked because I I did read a couple of bad words, including okay. like the R word, which I yeah. don't or, use conversationally yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Okay, I see um, what you're saying, yeah.
0: yeah. What's,
1: your, what's your opinion on that? Cause I just was like, <sighs> yeah, I'm just gonna read the sentence. Like I'm just gonna do this right now. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. What's your opinion on when that happens? Like when you're like reading, supposed to read something out loud in workshop, or even if it, you personally don't use that word?
0: If it's in workshop, I, I don't know. I have a, you know, I'm not going to say this professor's name, um, but I have a very distinct memory of a professor saying the N-word um, in, in a workshop classroom because <sighs> um, uh-huh. we were reading, I, I believe it was in Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad, um, is okay. what we were reading for the time. A very good book. Um, but yeah, I remember being deeply uncomfortable in that moment. Like, it's very mm-hmm. weird, and I think it reveals my own biases, because in this scenario, much like you, if I were to encounter the R word, um, I would probably just read it. But I don't know if I would ever say the N word out loud in any context. No. Like, I don't know if I'd be... Yeah, ready- you
1: and I are really on the same page here. Yeah, dude, <laughs>
0: like... <I> would- <laughs> You know?
1: Self reflection on should I feel worse about the R word here?
0: (laughs) Exactly. It's like, am I I being a worse person for that choice? Like, you know, it's definitely revealing of, you know, where my biases stand and what, you know, and what I think is acceptable and what I think isn't. But yeah, like, it it really does kind of depend on the word itself. Like, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Were you part. We got to do a workshop with. My favorite living poet, by the way, Dinez Smith. Um, Mm. You were in that workshop, right?
0: I was not in the workshop, but I was at one of the meetings because he came to talk to a class I was in also. Like, I I did get to talk to him, but I don't think we were at the same time. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I had the pleasure of having a workshop with them, by the way. They, them. Them. Sorry. Um, Yeah. All good. Uh, Yeah, and one of the uh, poems that he brought in for us to read and, like, discuss and and do an exercise based on Mm -hmm. had the N-word... Mm-hmm. and um there was one i think one black student in the class and she just i don't remember i don't know remember if it was a she just so happened to like volunteer to read that section mm-hmm. or, or or what it was but i think as it was happening everyone was like oh they got <laughs> like so relieved <laughs> that they didn't have to like make that decision
0: yeah about... yeah because like do you do what do you do? Do you look up at Denise Smith, one of the greatest living poets, and then like, you know, say, uh, is it cool if I say, like, I know you brought this into, t- <laughs> like, you know, you uh, it, it's, <laughs> at best, you sound incredibly uncool. Um, at best. <laughs> yeah, there's. <laughs> like, yeah. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oh, f- Oof. Oh, yeah i man. think i think all
1: the white kids were myself included were relieved in that moment um yeah
0: yeah yeah i would have been relieved too like 100 <laughs> percent yeah
1: <laughs> okay hey guys this is emily and ben from the future yeah. i we originally recorded this book recommendation with me refusing to say the title of the book out loud
0: mm-hmm. um which
1: i have since decided i do you think I need to say the title of the book out loud? I've yeah. got we've gone back and forth on these kind of things all yeah. the time. Yeah, opinions emerging. Anywho, so we are re-recording my book recommendation. Yes. Um, And before, just like my rationale is, it's when a slur or a bad word that I'm not enthusiastic about saying is in somebody else's art, mm-hmm. it would take away from their art and their craft to to not accurately repeat their art. Very um, fair. The line for me is, like, I'm just uncomfortable saying certain words and would never, ever say them. Mm-hmm. This word I, like, don't want to say and do not use conversationally, but, like, I need to say the title of the book that I'm recommendation- recommending. It's kind of ridiculous otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So, please, so, Emily, what is your book <laughs> recommendation? And I believe that we still have the discussion in of when we talked about, like, what words we would
1: say when reading stuff out loud, too. I think that Worth. will still be yeah, in the yeah, episode, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, the rest of this is totally fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so this book is interesting and strange. It's by a writer named Larry Mitchell, and it's illustrated by uh, a illustrator named Ned Asta. Um, ben, if, if there's anything else in the previous recording that we want to splice together, like, by all means, splice. Mm-hmm. Um, the book is titled um, The Faggots and Their Friends Between Revolutions, um, so it is about like a mythical land that he creates and like discusses in like a fairy tale like way. In um, okay. this land, it's called Ramrod, and there's like the men which are like straight cisgender patriarchy. The men do X,YZ, the queens do blah blah blah. The strong women do blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an interesting like fairy tale of like queer dynamics from the early 1970s
0: okay yeah that's cool and it was written in the 70s correct
1: yeah i think uh 76 1976 um and the reason i picked it up i was at a bookstore recently um and i see um a writer who i learn a lot from sarah shulman is Mm -hmm. on is like one of the uh quotes recommending this book um and also when i went to buy it um the bookstore employee said um, I love that book. There's an illustration in it that I want to get tattooed, and it mm-hmm. is this illustration.
0: Yeah, if we can find that online somewhere, we should link to it. Um, if not, we will definitely have the link to the book because um, that that seems like a front plate. Also, it, it, it's it's really cool. It, it's a very neat illustration. Yeah, like a very whimsical. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a book with a really interesting history. Apparently, it was like something that got like photocopied and made into zines a ton and Mm. um, was just like passed around hand to hand from like queer person to queer person in in New York City for a long time. Cool. Um, So last time we talked about this, Ben, you were like, what the heck does it mean? It's like a myth making. Like, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I will now tell you about that. Let me read like a section. The men love papers. They love to sign them, file them, and move them around. They believe that certain papers are sacred and they display them. They buy papers from each other and they lock papers up. They store them in huge underground hiding places so other men who are their enemies cannot have them. They make women sit endlessly in airless tall buildings making new papers for them to write on and then send to other men to write on. And if enough men who the men think are important men sign a paper, it becomes either famous and is put on guarded display, or it becomes important and is hidden away and gossiped and speculated about endlessly. All the men accumulate paper. But if a man can accumulate enough of the correct papers, he can become powerful. Then he hires other men to watch over his correct papers. Most men never get a hold of many correct papers. Still, they hoard and protect the papers they do have, Hoping the market will change. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that's that's really cool. Uh, that that's a neat way of doing that sort of thing of like uh, uh, illustrating dynamics and that. Yeah. There you can.
1: Yeah. It's a weird little book.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff. It reminds me kind of um of, just based on that little section that you just read there. there there's a book called A Night of Serious Drinking, by a mm. French author called René Dalmal, um who it, it's a. It's a really, like, similar thing where they're going through the dynamics of all the different people in a bar, but mm. like, it, but kind of thrown into this giant, like, tumultuous, like, everyone's drinking, like, hundreds of thousands of drinks in a single night, so it's, like, becomes its own kind of society in the bar as a result of that. It, it, it has a, a, a similar vibe on, like, just the voice that was used to kind of, that kind of like distanced almost like anthropological voice that's used to describe it, I think kind of comes out in Duhmall's thing as well. Like, yeah, that's
1: fascinating. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's been interesting. And I definitely, uh, as someone reading it almost 50 years later, am like, well, it's a little bit much to like, say, you know, every man is this way. Every fairy Mm -hmm. is this way. Every queen is that way. Mm -hmm. Um, it it's really, you know, when I say it's like a fairy tale, I also mean it is simplistic.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. Like, like the way that, in which it is told, it's just in these very direct kind of, you know, allegorical mode that a fairy tale likes to take. Yeah. Like, yeah. Allegorical. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 That's fascinating. That seems really cool. Like, uh, I'm definitely into that. Hell Yeah. Especially something that's been xeroxed around New York—that that's always a good quality for something to have. Yeah, hell of an
1: origin story. Yeah, hell of an
0: origin story. Were were the illustrations in the original version as well, or are those like a new thing that was added?
1: No, original. Cool. Part of the uh, original. Go for it. They are, uh, yeah, black and white, and there's a lot of pubic hair. (laughs)
0: Well, it was the 70s. Well, it was the 70s. What are you going to say? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What
1: are you going to do? Let me... I want to show you one other... Let me see if I can find it. This one... Yeah, they're all... It's all, like, short sections like this. Oh, okay. Um, And this one in particular... It's an illustration of, like... A person who looked with a beard in a hard hat wearing a skirt.
0: Mm, um, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool. Let's
1: and the that. narration, it's just one nice. sentence. It's, yeah. There is more to be learned from wearing a dress for a day than there is from wearing a suit for a lifetime.
0: Yeah, just little aphoristic things like that in there, too. That's cool.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's been very interesting. Nice.
0: All right, well, thank you, Emily.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for letting me re-record this one.
0: (laughs) No problem. No problem. It it makes sense, you know. I get going back and forth on something like that, like, and I, I respect your choice. Whatever, uh, I respect your choice of not doing it, and I also respect your choice of choosing to recant that and actually read it. Like both, both are reasonable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks, everybody. Back to uh, everybody. the past. Now Back to the past. Beedley, beedley, ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What's your recommendation this week? Nice. Uh, my
0: recommendation, since the the book I've been reading has been the book we spent all uh, episode talking about already, um, I'm <laughs> just I'm going to recommend uh, Brazilian black metal band Mystifier. Uh, classic. Uh, late early eighties to early nineties. They they reformed semi recently, but a great mm. uh, group of anarchists uh, making not you know ve- very traditional style black metal. So if you like a really ugly ass raw eighties sounding thing, I-, I would say good, listen to their album uh, Wicca. It was their first full length. And then if you are if you're into this sort of thing, I really if you like demos. I would say listen to their demo, Alistair Crowley. If you want just raw ass, good, good old fashioned ass kicking black metal, like that—that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> ass
1: kicking black metal. Come yeah. downtown, get your ass kicking black
0: metal. <laughs> <laughs> also, follow them on Instagram because they have one of the most uneven, hilarious Instagrams I've ever seen in my entire life.
1: I am yeah. allured. Uh, By this term, uneven social media presence. Tell me.
0: Combination of like photos of them just hanging out, like eating oysters, (laughs) like just having a (laughs) chill time. Um, Occasionally uh, memes of about, um, uh, occasionally like memes about trans rights, like in a positive way. And and then also just sometimes pictures of, uh, Baphomet with the titties and cock, and uh, just no context, <laughs> like just hashtag six six six. So it, it, it's you know that's <laughs> that that's what we're working with here, folks. It's a really good Instagram follow.
1: Come pick up your ass kicking <laughs> Baphomet with the cock. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag six six six. The band's hanging out. In yeah. The free time. We like this restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> very strange Yeah, I'm all in favor of it yeah. cool well uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Good Writing Podcast yeah. everybody um, if you have a quick note for us you can uh, find us on Twitter at, at goodwritingpod if you would like to send us uh, I don't know feedback a longer email a voice recording surprise us um, a screenshot of your favorite of Ben's weird black metal band's Instagram posts Yeah. Uh, you can email us at goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com
0: excellent
1: Ben, you want to tell us to rate and re- tell them to rate and yeah.
0: review, Ben. Rate and review us on iTunes, people. Five stars. It's a five star podcast. You you you're gonna tell me you listen to the whole thing and you don't think it's worth five stars. You got to get that. Just if that's how you feel, just take us out of your life. Just forget you ever even heard it. Swing. Breathe out. Let us go.
1: Swing.
0: But if you're still here because you enjoyed what you heard, then. Give us the give us those stars. Give us those stars, baby.
1: We love them. Tip Thank tap. You. Tip tap them. Tip yeah. tap them. Scroll down and tip tap yeah. them five stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, everybody. We'll see you on uh, next episode on Monday. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, everybody.